Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, hanging out in the office. Today, I'm sitting on the couch. Amanda's on the Captain Kirk chair, and we have my man, Michael. He is a licensed massage therapist. We're doing a Facebook Live. And right now, Michael is in Ohio, but he actually is a certified massage therapist in California. But we uh, scheduled it specifically today because he's back in his hometown in Ohio and we didn't want to have to deal with different time zones. So even right. though even though tonight is game six of the NBA finals, I am here in the office. But it's okay. I'm going to make it home in time. Uh, the reason that we wanted to get Michael on on such an important day in Toronto is that uh, him and I connected via Instagram, I think. And his bio immediately caught my eye. It said LGBTQI certified massage therapist specializing in plus size body work. And I thought yep. that was really interesting, really different. I hadn't really seen that before. And considering it's Pride Month, I feel like you are the perfect guest to have on and talk to us about what it means to be an LGBTQI certified massage therapist. So thank you for hanging out with us via Facebook today. Absolutely. Love to be here. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Tell us your name, who you are, how long you've been practicing. Give us a little backstory on you. Great. Okay. So my name is Michael Quinichet, and I am originally from Columbus, Ohio, which is where I'm at right now. So I've been a licensed massage therapist for four years. I got licensed on tax day of 2015, which I'll never forget. Uh, and so <laughs> I am, yeah, I'm originally from Columbus. I lived in this area for about 38 years, essentially. And so I also have a bachelor's degree in operations management from the University of Cincinnati. Then I went back to school and studied musical theater at another university here in Ohio. So I am also a professional stage actor in addition to being a licensed massage therapist. And I just recently moved to a small town just outside of Sacramento, California in September of last year. And so that's where my current studio is, uh, is in the Sacramento, California area. Cool. So musical theater. Oh, yeah. Singing, I... dancing, acting. Absolutely. What's your, what's your favorite musical? That's a good question. I think probably Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, oh, because, we're because best friends a, already. I told oh, you. Oh, I no, told yeah. oh, yeah. you. It's, it's a rock show, right? It's like, yeah. you know, screaming at the top of your lungs. You got crazy, like, wah-wah pedals. I mean, it's from, like, the 70s. I'm all about it. There's yeah, death. I think I've seen that. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen that live probably about six or seven times. So I'll give you a little bit of backstory Sweet. on this. When Mark and I first uh, started dating, he would, when we go on long road trips, he would just play the soundtrack from Jesus Christ Superstar while we were driving. And as somebody who was not really big into musical theater at that time, I was like, what the fuck are we listening to? <laughs> like, can we just put on some regular rock music? Like, what's happening? And he, yeah, he's obsessed with Jesus Christ Superstar. So I, I know it very well because of him. But pre-Mark, I had no idea that this was so awesome, actually. <laughs> yeah. He introduced me. He introduced me to the world. Sweet. That's a good introduction into kind of Broadway theater stuff. Yeah, it's nice. I love it. I feel like you're not the first therapist we've had on here that does musical theater. No, not at all. No, this is uh, this is, might be like a trend with we, massage therapists. We had a, a buddy of mine from elementary school 
Robert Glean. He was on the he was on the episode where we talked about fascial tissue stretch because he's one of the instructors at Stretch to Win, and uh, he was in Rent in Toronto. Yeah, he's done a few things. Yeah, and he looks exactly like Pharrell. Which, by the way, it took me until today to realize that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a double win. Exactly. So I got a question for you, though. Why the move from uh, Ohio? So that's a good question. So, uh, so one, I'm gay. I'm a homosexual. <laughs> and so uh, my partner <laughs> my partner and I uh, had been wanting to make the move to California for some time. And so we met originally in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, he was getting his PhD at Ohio State University and Spanish medieval literature. While he was in school, we met. I knew eventually that I wanted to move to California at some point. And so he's originally from the town that we currently live in California. So yeah, so once he uh, got his PhD, we knew at some point we were going to move to California for him to be closer to his family. And then also for him to hopefully find a university or faculty position at a college or university somewhere within that state. Okay. And, and, and it's California. It's like you got the ocean. You got, you know, it's, you know, the, at least the coast of California is a little bit more liberal. You know, it's sunny there. It's, uh, you know, winter is a destination. It's not thrust upon you like it is uh, <laughs> in the Midwest or I can only imagine in Canada. So I don't want to talk about it. It's June and I'm in a jacket. Gross. Yeah, exactly. That's like the only word you can say is gross. You know what I find everywhere nice that I think I'd want to live? There's always some natural thing that happens that will drive me away. Like I keep thinking, "Ah, maybe I'd want to go to Hawaii, but you know what? Nah. You know what? They're not active volcanoes, but with my luck, who knows? I think I want to go to (laughs) California. Nah, the earth moves out there. I think I want to go to Florida. Forget it. Hurricanes. Like, ah, I don't know, man. I'm a little scared of natural stuff. I want to, I want to ask a question about when you (laughs) were, you were talking about why you want to, why you uh, wanted to move to California. You started the whole thing by saying, well, first off, I'm gay. Like, I'm going to be, I'm completely naive to the States. Is Ohio like not a place that you want to be if you are a gay man? So that's a good question. So Ohio's in the Midwest uh, part of the, which that term really fucks me up because we're actually on the Mid-Eastern part of the United States. But for some reason, we've coined the term Midwest, maybe because we don't want to be associated with uh, terrorists. I have no idea. But... (laughs) You know, but um, yeah, so the Midwest in general is uh, it's a it's an area that is more red. So meaning that, uh, you know, during presidential elections, the majority of uh, presidents that have been elected generally have uh, if they lean towards like the right or like Republican side, the majority of them usually get a big chunk of votes from the Midwest. And so mm-hmm. they're more, where they're more conservative, which means they have more conservative views on women's rights on rights of people of color, on gay rights. And so in the state of Ohio, you can actually still get fired from your job for being gay. What? Um, uh, yes. You like, still... like, like legally? Legally. Or like this is some What? <laughs> yes, you can legally. Now, with this new social movement happening with gay marriage that recently got passed in the United States, that would look very bad for that employer. But you actually still could. It still actually is on the books in the state of Ohio. To be able to do that. And so uh, you can also get uh, kicked out of your apartment uh, by the landlord for being gay. That is still legally possible. Yeah, that's still actually on the books. There's no anti-discrimination laws against housing or employment with the greater states of California. Although 
there are cities that have provisions that protect LGBTQ people. But um, like Columbus, I think, is one of those cities that does have protections against uh, being kicked out of housing. But the greater state, absolutely. Okay, so that being said, when did you let the world know that you're gay? Like, did this play a huge factor in you deciding to, hey, I'm going to let the world know about this? That's a good question. So I came out twice, is what I tell people. (laughs) So the first time I came out was senior year of high school. So I just turned 40. And so this was in 1997. I had a best friend in high school and we were both in choir together. And so I knew he was gay. He knew I was gay, but we didn't really talk about it. You know, you just kind of know you're in high school. You just, you know, we were both in choir together. We were also in show choir together. So we were, of course, like kind of dancing and singing and doing a bunch of stuff. We also were a part of plays and musicals in school. So, you know, I mean, when you're gay, you just kind of, the gaydar is alive and well. You kind of know who, mm-hmm. who you know, the boys that like boys. He actually found out about me. So the, the 32nd version is that before all of the apps, which is where people meet now, in the late 90s, some people would meet on what were called like telephone, like voicemail boxes. So right. like you would, you would place an ad on this telephone line, you'd have some sort of spiel or pitch about, hey, my name's Michael. Hey, I'm 18 years old. I like to have fun. I like to go to the movies. If anyone's interested in dating me, uh, leave a message in my voicemail box. And so I was very, of course, naive and honest with that. He was also on this kind of phone chat line. And clearly, I said my name. I said how old I was. He recognized my voice. He thought, oh, my God, my best friend is gay. Here it is right here. So basically, the next day after he heard that, he came to me in school. Was We were sitting next to each other. He was really, you know, buddy-buddy with me and just, like, started asking me, so, uh, Michael, what do you... When you're not hanging out with me, what do you do? And I was like, well, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I study. I, I, it was such an obscure question yeah. that I knew something was up. So he finally asked me, so who do you like? Do you like boys? Do you like girls? And I didn't answer the question. And he said, well, let me just tell you. I, I heard your voicemail on this gay chat line. So I know you're gay because you left this voicemail box saying, you know. So I was like, okay, yep. That was me. Yes. Can I ask you a question on that? How come you didn't answer him when he he just came out and asked you? Because I was scared. I was afraid. And so for me, I didn't want anyone to, I didn't want to say the words, I'm gay or Mm. I am a homosexual because it's a big deal. I mean, um, like we referenced before, I mean, I'm in the Midwest. I'm in a state that already could kick me out of my housing or fire me from a job. So I was scared. I didn't, uh, I only knew one other person in high school who was openly gay, and that person was ridiculed all the time. They weren't beat up at all. They had a very strong front, so there wasn't any physical harm. But I didn't want to be the person who was you know, slammed in the lockers or being called a faggot or whatever. I didn't want to be that person. Even though this is my best friend, I still didn't want to say the words. So that's why I hesitated. So I was kind of forced to come out. So uh, once I told him, he was like, well, hey, I'm gay too. Let's go out to bars and have a fun time. Let's hang out. Let's let's be gay. So uh, that's what we did. <laughs> let's be gay. <laughs> so, yeah. So we uh, would go out to the local bars, and so then slowly I started telling some of my girlfriends, my friends that were girls in uh, high school, hey, you know, I'm gay, and you know, they majority of them were super accepting of me. Uh, so that's when I came out, and then I I had I had a really positive outing experience, and I think because I'm a bigger black guy. 
no one really messed with me in school. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. beat up. I wasn't like a lot of the stories we may hear about bullying. I was never really bullied because I think they thought I would maybe kick their ass because I'm just, I also, <laughs> I also was on the football team. I was the defensive end. So I think they were just like, okay, he also has, he has, he has friends in high places that could do some damage to me. I have so many questions, but I know that Mark has a question for you. So I'm going to let him go first, but I've got so many questions. I know, right especially now. when you brought up the football team, this is your first, as you said, coming out. Yeah, so that was the first time I came out. All right, so is this something that you do with just your friends, coming out to your friends and your close friends? Or is this something that you're also doing at the same time with your family? I think that every gay person has their own individual way of navigating their outness. So I don't know how the kids do it now in 2019, but back then, I think what generally happened is that most, at least most gay guys came out to a close friend probably in high school. So it usually is probably another guy. And then they would, you know, have these, they would navigate this in their brain of, okay, so who could I tell that wouldn't uh, tell anybody else? So you begin to play this risk game. You know, of wow. who could I t- who could I tell that uh, wouldn't out me to anyone else? Who's not a gossip? Who's not the person that's going to you know tell anybody? So you start playing this game in your mind about who you can tell. So I think with people initially, it's their friends, and um, some people don't tell their family until years later. Uh, I mean, I'm talking it could be one, two, five, ten years later. It could be after they've graduated high school, they've gone on to college, they've graduated from college, they have a job. They So depending on their family dynamic, some people have a situation where maybe their mom or dad finds out that they're gay. Maybe they find a magazine or something or, you know, they're, they were, maybe their parents find out about their, them being gay or they wonder if they are. So then the parents like corner them and have an intervention like, hey, we found these things on your phone. We saw this in your bedroom. Are you gay? You know, so sometimes uh, parents find out about it but uh, everybody has their own navigation. For me, I felt more comfortable telling my close friends in high school first. So I told about five or six friends in high school first, and then I told my family it was really three or four years into three or four years after that. So like my junior year of college. Now you said you're from the Midwest. Yeah. Are your parents very Midwestern kind of people or were they a little more liberal and it was easier to tell them? Well, first of all, my mom died when I was 12. She was 27 years old. She died on Valentine's Day of 1991 of a heart disease, uh, myocarditis. Wow. Uh, she's Yeah, she's no longer with us, um, unfortunately. But I think if I... If she were alive uh, when I was in high school, I think that she would be very accepting of me being gay. She was always very just a loving person. And I think she, although she was slightly religious, you know, going to church, I think she would have been okay with me being gay. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad is not religious at all. So they lived separately. They never married, but they both lived in the Columbus area. So my dad had visitation rights where he would come and pick me up and spend time with me. That was when, you know, my dad's family was more of like, you know, he was a part of a motorcycle club. So, (laughs) so he would take me to his club with his boys, you know, they'd be drinking, smoking weed, hanging out with, you know, girls and, you know, playing rap music. You know, he had, uh, you know, I got to ride on his motorcycle. I thought my dad was like the coolest, non-religious, super cool guy. So he, if I would have told him, I think in high school, I think he would have been totally cool with it. So yeah, so my, so in terms of them being traditionally Midwestern, I don't think so. 
No, I think both of my parents, if my mom was still alive and my dad even today, are super cool people. So I kind of so, I, I lucked out. So who were you living with and who raised you from from that point after your mom passed? My grandmother raised me. Until my mom died, I lived in a house. You know, so it was me, my mom, and my grandmother. Uh, when my mom died, my grandmother took custody of me from when I was 12 years old, of course, until you know I turned 18. So my grandmother is kind of like, you know, she's my closest family member. She's the one who really taught me a lot of the values I have today. Like I said, so many questions. I'm going to try to unjumble my thoughts. You were on the football team. How did those guys react? Because, you know, you see things in movies and you always assume the athletes are never cool with this. How were your teammates? So I didn't play football all four years of school. I played football. Uh, my freshman year and then a little into my sophomore year. So, okay. So, so even though I came out my senior year of high school, I still had a number of friends that were on the football team, uh, which is why I didn't get bullied. So, uh, I wasn't out when I was a freshman or a sophomore. Um, but you're right. So when you're in that sports culture, especially football, which is very kind of hyper masculine, macho, you know, I really didn't get any. There, there wasn't really any issues at all with any of the players. And, you know, I was a naive freshman. And I think also because I'm black, you know, because I'm a bigger black guy, I think that has a lot to do with it, honestly. I think if I were a skinny, like blonde haired white boy, I think there may have been more pushback. Um, mm-hmm. But I think because of my race, I think that kind of shielded me from a lot of any uh, any kind of homophobia. Coincidentally, it just so happened that there were two uh, seniors on the team when I was a freshman. There were two seniors that were also in uh, the men's choir that I was in. So there were two seniors who, one of them I think was a co-captain of the team. Uh, I think he was uh, a linebacker or a, uh, or a cornerback, was also... Uh, one of the co-leaders of the team. So there may have been some behind the scenes negotiating that maybe they did with their, you know, with the other football players. Like maybe I was being picked on behind my back and maybe they were like, yo, y'all need to chill. You know, this guy is awesome. So maybe the, maybe the seniors were maybe taken up for me, but I never heard about any of those things. I never saw any of those things. So yeah, but because it was interesting because it was a, a very, uh, you know, football is you're up and close with guys. You know, you're in the locker room, you're seeing them, you know, you're you know, you're seeing your penises, you're showering with them, you know, you're doing all these things with guys. And so for me, I was like, Oh damn, this is um getting a little intense here, you know. <laughs> so I need to uh, like I didn't shower very often uh in the locker room after work after practices because I didn't want them to be like, Oh man, he got a woody, oh what's going on? So I think you know, <laughs> so I just, you know, I think that uh, that was also a big part of me not being shamed is that I didn't take showers very often. So there wasn't like a display of, you know, me like getting excited or whatever. So I think that was a big part of it as well. So uh, I had a great positive experience on the football team. There wasn't really any homophobia at all. If there was any, there may have been some slight comments with some of the coaches who I think mm-hmm. maybe saw me as, yeah. I think some of the coaches maybe saw me as like soft and they were trying to maybe toughen me up by having some sort of like, you know, uh, their, their vernacular. Maybe they're a little bit more harsh towards me. But um, but once again, it wasn't direct. They never called me, you know, a homo. They never called me a faggot. It wasn't anything direct at all. So 
I had a, a positive experience with the team. So you're sort of actually answering a little bit, answering my next question. I was wondering when you did have this first coming out and you told some high school friends, was there anybody who reacted like, yeah, I already knew. Like, was there anybody who wasn't shocked at all? And it was just like, yeah, that's fine. Like, I like I already knew that. Oh, yeah. I had a couple of girlfriends for sure. Um, friends that were girls in school that for sure definitely knew. They were like, we were just kind of waiting for you to tell us. You know, they were mm-hmm. fine. Um, I didn't have any guy friends that said that, but I definitely had a couple of girlfriends that for sure knew that I was gay. You know, they knew all the signs. It's like, you know, when you look at the stereotype of a gay person, at least in the United States, the stereotype is you like musicals. Your some of your favorite artists are like female pop artists. You haven't dated any women. You're not dating any girls in school, you know. So, um, so I hit a number of those markers. And so, I think if you were to look at me at my those markers on a piece of paper, there's a high deduction that some people would say that I was gay. According to those '97 standards, 1997, and I don't know about Mark's life, you know, when he was in high school, but at least. He hit one of the three, liking musical he, theater. He likes musicals and he loves Katy Perry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're totally, you're totally gay. 97, you're gay. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I really didn't date anyone in high school till like, you my You really last didn't. Year. Well, because I was a short little fat kid. Like, no one had interest in me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you would hit those markers. People would have, um, yeah, they definitely would have kind of, you know, looked at you funny. Like, oh, what? Okay, okay. I that, that's That's Mark, yeah. <laughs> so that was your first coming out. Right. You said so you've had two. Yes. So the second coming out. So uh, to give a little backstory of the second coming out, I graduated high school fully out, and I decided to go to the University of Cincinnati, uh, which, you know, Cincinnati is only an hour and a half from where I was from. And I liked it because one, I could run back home in the weekends to do laundry for free. And, um, and also it wasn't a big jump, um, kind of emotionally, you know, versus moving maybe across the country where I didn't know anyone. It was still a safe space. I was still in the same state. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I was, but I was far enough away that I could have a little bit of independence, you know, under the umbrella of, you know, my grandmother and trying to figure out who I am and trying to be gay. I'm like, now I'm out. I'm open. Let's try to meet some people. Let's go to the bars. Let's have a fun time. Let's see what this this gay thing is all about. Unfortunately, uh, in hindsight, I didn't realize that Cincinnati is actually one of the most conservative parts of the state. Oh. Uh, and so, yeah. So um, I, I realized after I graduated college that Columbus actually is the liberal hub of <laughs> the state of Ohio. So I thought I was leaving the conservative part of Columbus to the more liberal. I, I don't know why I thought Cincinnati was liberal. But anyway. Is Cincinnati, is Cincinnati bigger than Columbus? Is uh, it a bigger city? As of 2019, no, it's not. But it used okay. to be. Cincinnati is, you know, of course, um, you know, they have a professional, you know, they have the Bengals there, professional, uh, you know, NFL team. Uh, they have the Reds there. They have the, you know, um, you know, MLB team. Um, so Cincinnati, even in terms of music acts, they bring in more national and international acts because the city historically is known for being a bigger city for sure. Got it. Um, but not so much anymore. I think people are fleeing there for a number of reasons. Uh, I think some maybe because they realize how conservative it is. <laughs> but, but, uh, but I went to the University of Cincinnati and I went there also to 
one to study um, business, but I knew they also had a great music conservatory. So my plan also was going to maybe study privately music on the side. Maybe I could dump this whole business BS and like study musical theater at that school and then, you know, do the Broadway thing and be a big Broadway star. I had all of these, you know, dreams and visions. So Cincinnati seemed like the bigger city seemed more liberal. There was a music conservatory. It seemed great. So um, within a month of my freshman year of being at that school, I ended up getting involved with a campus ministry. And so although I wasn't really religious in high school, I wanted to find friends. And so, you know, this good looking guy approached me on campus and said, hey, uh, do you, you know, um, I'm part of a campus ministry. Do you want to join our church? And I was like, well, I'm not really a church person. But in my mind, I thought, well, I mean, if you're going to be there, then I'll definitely <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm going to go. And it just so happened that this guy was a music major in the conservatory. So that was his end. So he basically did a, uh, no, he was, he was marketing. He totally sold me, you know? He was like, By the oh, way, this is just making me realize guys are guys. Gay, straight, doesn't matter. Guys are guys. I don't know if you listen to any of the episodes where Mark admits he went to massage school to meet girls. Yeah. Like yeah. you guys just, you two guys just follow where you might get to meet somebody to hook up with. Jeez. That's, yeah. Boys. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, yeah, absolutely. That's totally it. Dudes and dudes. I mean, that, whoo, that goes into, I mean, I'm sure we're going to eventually talk about maybe the massage profession, but whoa. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. Whoa. But that's, <laughs> yes, that's, yes, that, that ties into that as well. So yeah, so this good looking guy, you know, a part of the music school asked me if I want to go to, go to his church. I said, yeah. Um, went to this church and I was really floored and amazed at one, like the, the pastor or the leader of the church was from Laos. I was not expecting that. And the church was full of, black people and white people and there was a huge kind of campus contingent so a lot of people were around my age and the church had like maybe a thousand to fifteen hundred people in there and so i was just like this is not like what i thought church was they had a rocking band they had some people from the the guy who eventually invited me i found out was the guitarist of the church he was like the main guitarist of the church and he also sang and so i was just like this is I'm having fun. So regardless of the God and Jesus stuff, I'm having a fun time. And so uh, then afterwards, they were like, okay, let's learn more about God and you know, read, study the Bible. So we went to his place, we read the Bible, and so we started doing that stuff. So it wasn't until like maybe our third time when we really started digging into like the texts in the Bible that always talk about uh, homosexuality being a sin, you know? Mm-hmm. So he probably, he probably knew that I was gay, you know? But he had to kind of warm me up first. So, yes. And then he, you know, we read some stuff in the Old Testament, some stuff in the New Testament. And so he eventually asked the question, are you gay? And I was like, yes, I'm definitely gay. He's like, well, what do you think about this passage in the Bible? And I was like, well, I I mean, it basically said that I'm going to hell. And he's like, so how do you feel about that? So he basically kind of walked my brain through this kind of Christian kind of, I mean, he just walked me through this whole like, well, if you are gay, this says that being gay means you're going to go to hell, then do you want to go to hell or do you not want to? And I was like, oh, damn, this got really deep. This got really deep all of a sudden. So I went home to my dorm 
you know? And I was just like, what am I doing with my life? I just came out. I'm having a good time. And now, like, I learned that, like, being gay means you're going to hell. So Was he uh, trying to make that point to you? Like, was he trying to tell you, like, you realize, like, you're living wrong, for lack of a better term? Like, was he trying to, like, I don't know, convert you? Is, is Was that yes. the, is the right thing you'd say? Oh, wow. Yes, he, yes, he was. That is, that was the goal. The goal was to convert me to their version of Christianity in that church to get, you know, like baptized in the church and to join the church and to help build the church up. So to help all of the gay people to become straight. And yes, absolutely. That the was the most that was fucked the up thing, though, is that like they think they're saving you. Like yeah. they're they're out on this mission. They think they're saving you. They think the way you're living now is going to end in doom for you. So they think they're saving you. Yeah. And so I know that there are a lot in general, you know, I know that uh, now there are a lot of, you know, kind of Christian based organizations that are very pro homosexual, they're pro gay, they're, they're not, they don't think that being gay is wrong or sinning or against the Bible. So I know there's a lot of people that there are part of groups and churches that believe that um, this particular church I found out is an international based church that one of their kind of mantras is helping gay people to be kind of not cured of homosexuality. Um, he never said that, but he alluded to the fact that since you are gay, that means that clearly you can never date guys. You're never going to back then, of course, get married to a guy. That means you're either going to have to be celibate the rest of your life. That includes like no masturbation. That includes that means you just being an upstanding Christian, or that means you have to date woman, get married to a woman, maybe have children. But those are your two options in terms of like your like romantic life. So either, wow. Yeah. So that was that was the choice. And so this really rocked my world at like 18 years old, you know, or 19 to figure out like, what, what am I doing? So then I, I, you know, I was super impressionable. You know, I'm young. You know, I thought, well, I, I guess I have to do this. So... I joined the church and then I called my friends back, my good friends that I had in high school and said, hey, listen, I joined this church. I realized that being gay is wrong. It's a sin. I don't want to go to hell. And I told that to my best friend. He said, Michael, what is going on with you? Like, who who are you? Who are you? And I said, I'm saved by Jesus, you know, or whatever I said. And so I said, I'm going to pray for you. And I hope that you find God because you're going to hell. And then I told my girlfriends, I told them that I'm trying to be straight, trying not to be gay. And they're like, no, 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 you can't just do that. Like you are gay. This is who you are. Like somewhere deep down, you knew that you couldn't just decide not to be gay. Right. Or like, absolutely. did they have you like so into this church that you thought like, no, I can overcome this gayness if that's a thing you know what i actually did at, at there are a number earlier on in the that church i really did think that i i didn't know if i could like turn myself straight i didn't know if i could all of a sudden like girls but yeah um, we're gross i i oh my ugh, i hate all of you <laughs> no, uh, so i didn't know if i didn't know if i could be like attracted to women or um or i, I didn't know but I wanted to give it a chance. I was like, I want to try to see if I can, if I can do this. If I can not only, you know, try to maybe be attracted to women, but also try to now have a new goal in life, which is to love God. So forget the business stuff, forget the music 
the musical theater stuff, like all of that went to the wayside. I basically had no career except for now to just try to convert people to this church. That was my goal. It was a brainwashing. It was, yes. And mm-hmm. so um, that's exactly what happened. And that was the MO of this church. The church ended up actually getting disbanded because of some, some shenanigans that happened with some higher ups. But in terms of me coming out the second time, that happened about eight years into me being a part of this church. It finally happened when I just kind of began to give up on this Christian thing. You know, I just realized that, like, what am I doing with my life? You know, I'm, you know, I was 18 when I joined. Now I'm 26. And like, I just, I'm not happy. Like, I've I've lost my first love, which was like the theater. I had all these plans of wanting to move to New York and to do the theater thing. And now I'm not doing that. And now I'm Mm -hmm. in Toledo, Ohio. Like, I, I moved there for the church to help start another branch of the church. And now I'm in, like, the smaller city, I'm away from my friends. So I just felt really disillusioned. And so then I really had to do some some gut checking. Like, what is my life about? What? Do, how do I want my life to live? I just started journaling, writing stuff about my life and how I'm not happy. And eventually through uh, just kind of vomiting on this page, I eventually got to a point where I said, you know what? I'm going to test. I'm going to test God right now. I'm going to test him for a month. I'm going to leave the church for a month and I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to see if what all of my leaders in the church were saying were true. I'm going to see if I'm going to start drinking, smoking, if I'm going to become a prostitute on the corner. I want to see what happens. And if my life becomes a total like shit show after a month, then okay, I'll go back to the church and I'll do my thing. I'll, I'll keep trying this God thing. And uh, after a month, I was so much happier. I wasn't like a crazed drug maniac. I didn't like try to sleep with every guy I saw. I wasn't hanging out on the corner being a prostitute. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't doing all of the things that I thought that I would do once I didn't have God in my life. And that was when my life changed because then I thought, okay, this version of Christianity after teaching me is a, is a scam. This is not working. So mm-hmm. then I so then I began my exit strategy <laughs> to get out of the church. So I had to cease communication, all the texts, all the phone calls. I had to block phone numbers from the church. At that time, I was living with some other members in the church in Toledo. So then I had to move out of that apartment. I had to find my own apartment. And so I had to slowly kind of get rid of these ties from these people who were leaving me voicemails like, Michael, we love you. We don't want you to go to hell. We really care about you. And so I slowly began to find other friends that were very affirming of who I was. Some of those friends were also a were a part of other Christian-based organizations. They're like, that church really messed you up. And we apologize for that church trying to make you something that you're not, you know? I had a lot of friends that were on the other side, complete atheists that were like, see, this is what Christianity does to you. It warps your mind. So I was able to really get perspectives from different people kind of in and outside of religion and try to figure out what, who am I? What do I want? So that's when I came out the second time. And I had to finally go back to my old friends in high school that I left eight years ago and said, I am so sorry. I got brainwashed in this crazy church, but I'm here. I'm queer. Let's do this. Wow. That is way more of a story than I expected from just reading your bio on Instagram and saying, hey, this guy be kind of cool to talk to. <laughs> right. That's crazy. Well, okay. I, I want to get into the massage stuff. And sure. <laughs> I, I have an assumption and it's it's just that. But based on everything you just said, 
I feel like after going through an experience like that, where you literally had to suppress your true being for eight years, I don't even know how you did that. But I guess, as you said, you were brainwashed. So it was just normal life. Is that what kind of made you want to, when you became a massage therapist, want to work with the LGBTQ community? Like, was that sort of a motivating factor? It definitely was, for sure. So my main reason of wanting to work with, yeah, the LGBTQI community is that I know the uh, mental health issues that they deal with, whether their family accepting them or not, whether their workplaces accepting them or not, or uh, just having their own issues with just depression in general. And just, I, I knew that I wanted to be a, a resource. Um, mm-hmm. And although I'm saying in my lane of massage, I know since, uh, especially when I went to school, I realized kind of the, the mental benefits of massage. So whether it's something relaxing or working on specific treatments for certain body parts, I knew that there was a mental health component to what we do. It's a byproduct. And so absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So when you came out again, at this point now, you, I guess you kind of had to restart your life. You spent eight years with this sole purpose of helping this church. Where did you go from there? Did you go into massage school at that point or did you go back to music? Where'd you go? So at this time, I'm uh, living in Columbus and I ended up living back home with my grandmother. I didn't have a steady job. I was basically just doing temp work, working at random warehouses. And so I had to kind of figure out what do I want to do with my life? In the tail end of the church thing, part of my kind of leaving the church was me deciding that I want to do theater. Theater was my first love. I want to go back to theater. So When I was living in Toledo, part of the exit strategy was me going back to school to study musical theater. So there Mm -hmm. was a local local college nearby that I auditioned for. I ended up getting into the school for theater. And so what that did was that since I was in school, I had less time with the church. I moved in with a um, another music major, a part of the music school. I had rehearsals for plays and shows I was doing in the school, which meant I had less time with the church. So that was another way for me to lose some of the ties. After I finished that school, I ended up auditioning for shows with other theater companies around the country. And so I ended up getting a contract with a theater company in Indiana, the state nearby, for six months. And I got to do three shows there. And so since then, I became completely unattached from the church. Uh, I was in a different city. I was doing theater full time. And so that became my life was theater. So I would do a lot of regional theater, which meant that I was coming back home, living with my grandmother for a couple months. Then I would leave to go to another area of the country to do a show. I would do a show there for two months, three months, four months, come back home for maybe two months, and then leave and go to another state and do theater. So that was my life, trying to repair this kind of Christian brainwashing thing. I decided Mm -hmm. to do the, the theater thing. So I was kind of doing theater and doing this warehouse temp work on the side whenever I was at home. So I did that for about four or five years. And in the midst of all of that, that's when I met my current partner. Yeah. And then how does how does massage become part of all this? Because as I said, it seems to be a right. theme. We've met other people who do not just musical theater, but we've had dancers on, you know, people who, I mean, just do music. Mark himself was a musician. It seems like somehow these things go together. But when did you realize like, 
I want to be a massage therapist. So I was getting tired of all of this uh, traveling with the theater thing. And so um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, but I knew I wanted to stay put. I wanted to either stay in Columbus and have some sort of job where I was still helping people. And um, at this time, I was living with my partner and he happened to live two doors down from a lady who is the sister of a lady who owns a spa. And so we were hanging out with our neighbors. Uh, we have pugs. They have pugs. That's how we, we became best friends. I was just kind of talking about my life. Didn't know what I wanted to do. She said, hey, my sister owns a spa. Why don't you talk to her about maybe doing massage? I was like, oh, I guess, yeah, I guess I, never, I, I thought about it briefly when I was acting, but I like maybe doing massage because I had massages when I was, you know, working in Florida or working in North Carolina. So I said, yeah, I'll talk to her. Talk to this lady at the spa. Uh, she she is the reason why I'm a therapist. Um, she was a, a former teacher at the school I went to, this um, massage school I went to. She spoke to me about what it's like being a massage therapist, and she said that she think it would be she thought it would be beneficial for me uh, because I'm a male. She said we really one of the things they always ask for at her spot were people with uh, they want more pressure. That was always the thing, and so. She said that uh, you being a dude, you probably would be able to at least help with that. She said, if you go to this particular school, that's the school that she taught at. She said, the school is a great school. If you go to the school, I will basically guarantee you a job at the spa when you graduate. And I was like, oh, okay. We also talked about the uh, financial options, like how much it costs to go to the school, how much I would make once I graduate from the school as a massage therapist. Um, so I went to that school. It was a one-year program. Uh, it was just Fridays and Saturdays from 8 to 5 p.m., uh, 16 hours of school every week. I did that for a year, got my licensure in massage, went back to that spa and worked there for three years. So it was a little bit random. It's not like one of these stories where it's like, I, I needed to work in the healthcare field. And I, you know, it was, hey, you're a dude. You could probably give a good massage. You want to do this? And then you fell in love with it? Yeah, that was really the thing. It was really the first day of school when I was, uh, the first day of school, the first class, my one of my four anatomy physiology classes. I'll never forget it because the first class of anatomy, like one, we were talking about cells. Like what is a cell? And <laughs> I was I was like, man, what, what is going on? I thought I was here to, <laughs> to rub people, you know? And we're learning about the nucleus and like mitochondria. And I'm like, okay. And I was super, I'm already, I'm, I'm, I mean, I didn't consider myself a nerd, but I became a super nerd. That first class, I mean, I just fell in love with learning about the body. It was really just learning the anatomy of the body hooked me into massage therapy. And so that was history. That was really it. Learning about myself, learning about how the body works. And here I am. And here you are. So I know that you are a licensed massage therapist in Ohio and Indiana, the neighboring state. And uh, you currently live in California. And as you explained to me, and I'll explain to everybody, in California, you don't have to be licensed. It is optional to become certified, but you can you can just practice in California. You don't have to you don't have to so, get any kind of license or anything, right? So so California is it's a it's a unique state where they don't ha so each city has its own rules for mm -hmm. massage. 
each mm-hmm. individual city and unincorporated area have rules of who can do massage and who cannot do massage. The bigger cities, you know, like Los Angeles, San Francisco, San Diego, Sacramento. Now, each of those cities, I'm pretty sure, requires anyone to do massage to get this voluntary certification through okay. the through the massage therapy board of California. So the big cities do require you to have this 500 hour certification. And so, uh, but even within those big cities, like in Sacramento, you still don't need to have that certification if you are an employee of a spa. And if you're an employee of the spa, you just need to have like your fingerprints done by the police department. You need to have a background check and then you need to, I think you need to have like, like 125 hours of school. So not if, so taking maybe half of a quarter of school, uh, wow. but, you, but you don't need that voluntary certification if you're an employee at some sort of spa is what I believe in the city of Sacramento. It's so cool to like hear all the differences. We've had a number of therapists on from the States and yeah, you guys, like every state is different. Um, I know for us here in Ontario, when I was in school, it used to be that we had to complete 2,200 hours of school. That has since changed, but I mean, I did 2,200 hours in massage school and you guys can do like a hundred and something like that's nuts. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? I mean, whenever I hear you and Mark and the other therapists and the other RMTs talk about what you do and the, I just think, wow, we know we don't. We don't have that. We don't have that here. I mean, it is, yeah, our, I mean, our, yeah, our, our protocols are totally different. Our, we just don't, the states just don't require that. In Ohio, we require 750 hours. And I know that the state of New York and Nebraska, for some reason, uh, require at least a thousand hours, but that's the most, a thousand is the most that any state requires. Well, you've done your school. You're certified in a bunch of different places, and then you move to California. And as I said, you've now been marketing towards specifically the LGBTQI community. Um, did that start right away, or did you eventually sort of create that niche for yourself? So the niche kind of found me. So um, when I was in Columbus, while I was working at this spa, I would, because I'm from Columbus, I would have friends that would ask me for massages, you know? And the majority of my friends, of course, were gay. They were gay guys. And a lot of them were also bigger gay guys. They were what we call bears. They were bears. The bears would ask me for massages because I'm a big guy and they were tired of getting these so-called wimpy massages at, you know, Massage Envy or, you know, one of these national chains. And so they wanted a personal connection with their massage therapist and they wanted it to be a guy and they wanted like, you know, lots of pressure. And ideally they wanted the guy to be gay to feel more comfortable. Uh, just Okay. So that, that was something that was important. Like that, that was a question yes. I was going to ask you is that, yes. um, so, I mean, I have, I have a whole bunch of different types of clients and I have clients who are gay and I, like, I, it's something I never really thought about is that they would prefer to have somebody in the community as well. Like I've got a few female clients who are gay and I I never really thought of it as an issue, but 
maybe they would prefer if they had a gay therapist? Yeah. So I don't know if I've had a client tell me specifically why they want a gay therapist, but I can tell you as a guy, guys get hard all the time. We get erections all the time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know that. So so as a gay guy, I think they felt more comfortable if they happen to get an erection in front of another gay guy or versus versus a straight guy or a woman. I think they there's something about although, you know, I'm not like touching it, you know, we're not going to like engage in any sexual activity. I think that they just knowing that you have someone there that's also gay, I think somehow in their brain lessened the embarrassment that happens if they happen Mm. to get, you know, a hard on. Okay. Okay. Um, Do you uh, also see a lot of gay women? Do you have transgender clients or do you typically have more gay male clients? So the majority of my clients are gay males for sure. Okay. I mean, I'm talking like 80%. And so I do have, um, now, so since I just moved to California nine months ago, um, I don't have nearly as many uh, lesbians or trans men or women. Definitely not. Um, but in Columbus, for sure, I had a bigger contingent of uh, lesbians. I had a lesbian couple that I would do mobile massage, go to their home. I had some trans male clients in Columbus. And so right now in uh, Sacramento, I have a couple female clients. I have one trans male clients. And so I appeal to the entire community, but the majority of my clients are gay men. Well, I think it's a brilliant niche you have because no matter, no matter if we're talking about LGBTQI community or any group of people that has faced any kind of discrimination or segregation in any way, my assumption as, you know, a white Canadian over here would be that you're going to feel more comfortable in a place where you know nobody is passing any judgment, nobody's thinking anything, no, like you're totally safe and can be completely yourself in this space. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like it's, you've got like a, a really, a really great niche. It's similar to me being black. I have clients that see me just because I'm black and you know, it's, uh, I love it. I love the fact that at least they're getting some sort of body work done and uh, they feel comfortable, you know, other black people feel comfortable with me because I'm black. I have I have uh, white clients that come see me because I'm black, because for them, they just feel more comfortable. It, it is what it is. So I love that I'm really hitting a number of markers with my clients. And so that's why I say I feel like they found me because I didn't know what I wanted my niche to be. But when I started like advertising on um, you know Facebook and when I started putting out Google ads, the people that were responding were the people that were seeking me out just mm-hmm. because of who I am, just because I'm a black gay male, regardless of my modalities, they picked me because I'm black, I'm gay, and I'm a dude. Yeah, and you, would, when you were saying, you know, people come to you because they're more comfortable, I want to talk about this plus size thing. Um, yes. I can imagine, not even imagine, I know for a fact, I've had clients who come in and they will tell me sort of straight off the bat, I'm not comfortable taking my shirt off. I have a female client, a female client, you know, we're both women. I, I never even thought this would be an issue. And she said to me on her first appointment, I don't even take my shirt off in front of my husband. Like I am very uncomfortable with this. And she was plus size and that was her reason. And I, I was sort of floored by it. Like, you know, this is not something 
like it's not something I look at, you know, a, to me, a body is a body. I'm not checking you out and thinking things about your body size, but she is right. And so she, she was really uncomfortable. She's now very comfortable with me and it's not an issue, but I can imagine that go again, going to a place that, you know, I cater to plus size bodies would make somebody feel like, okay, I mean, he's seen it all. I, it's, it's fine. I can take off my shirt here. Absolutely. That is, I, this is what I'm really most passionate about whether someone's within the LGBTQI community or not, I'm really passionate about working on larger people because I've heard so many stories of clients feeling like they've been body shamed by other therapists, whether it's an independent therapist or a spa or them just in general having their own body shame issues. And so not wanting to get a massage at all because they're just afraid of what the therapist might say. And mm-hmm. so um, I think they like the fact that I'm a larger guy as well. I mean, I'm 255 pounds. And so I think they like the fact that, oh, he's a bigger guy. Okay, he'll feel comfortable with me, with my bigger size, because he's a big size, you know? And mm-hmm. so there's, I mean, there's something about helping people to really get into that parasympathetic mode when you're working on them that really helps to really work out a lot of other issues. I think there's something to be said as well about eliminating the, sorry, seriously, no pun intended, the elephant in the room. Like if you're just flat out saying, we both know you're plus size and that's fine. You are allowed to be plus size and comfortable here. Like, I think that is such a great thing, too, because I feel like there's something it's almost like there's something bad about like the word fat or heavy or like it's it's as if people try to pretend like it doesn't exist. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like where somebody will say like, oh, I look fat and everybody's immediate response is no, you don't. Or, oh, I've gained weight. No, you look great. Like it's it's okay if you're overweight. And you can acknowledge that and that's okay. But for some reason, it's like we have to like lie to each other. No, no, you're not overweight. No, no, you're not plus size. Oh, that's crazy. Like, it, I don't know why. I don't know why it's such a weird, like taboo thing to talk about. Yeah, people are just obsessed with weight. Like it's just in our culture. I mean, the world, we think about all of the diet plans that have come out, all of the obscure fads of these exercise machines. I mean, people, the, our clothes, like, I mean, clothing lines, based clo- they design clothes based off of helping people to not look fat. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, it's freaking everywhere. It's, uh, and it's such a personal thing for everybody. We all have our own body issues. And so mm-hmm. I think massage, especially since most people are, on a table, naked, underneath a sheet, I think the majority of people need to find a, a therapist that they know isn't going to shame them, you know? And so that is definitely the reason why I decided to put plus size body work out into the universe. Cause I just want people to know that although therapists may feel totally okay with you, no matter what your body is, I want to specifically identify those people so that they can find me. Yeah. And you want to know something I get asked all the time. And I know that Mark has been asked, people will say to me, do you find it more difficult to work on somebody who's plus size? Oh my God. That question. Yes. That question. It always, it feels derogatory to me. I want to be like, you know what? I don't know. I always get a little angsty at that person when someone asks that. Cause I just feel like I, I, feel like the majority of them are probably coming from an innocent place totally but, but it just feels a little 
icky to me, you know, because then the question I want to ask is, well, what is it about fat people that you think may be more difficult? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the, like, let's really dig into the real reason. Like, do you think, like, what is the reason? So I actually answered that on, on uh, Facebook. So I have this kind of, not docu-series, but I, every Monday and Thursday, um, I put out a Facebook, uh, like, or not, it's not Facebook, I put out on Instagram these kind of one-minute blitz about just questions I've answered that clients want to ask, or just now it's becoming more of a body positivity thing, where today I talked about confidence, what does it mean to be confident? And so, but one of the questions- I watched, I watched that video, by the way. Awesome, awesome. I watched that video and I liked it, and we'll get back to that. Anyway, go. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, so- but one of the questions I put out there was, is it more difficult to work on a plus size person? And because I know it's a question that a lot of people ask. Um, usually that question is asked by someone that is not plus sized. Um, and so I decided to put that question out there. And it's like, you know, life is already hard anyway. With a plus size person, there's a lot of mental steps they have to take to get on your massage table. I mean, they have to find you. Then they have to wonder if you are credible with your work. Then they, you know, have to wonder, like, will they be comfortable in your room? But then they have to finally make the decision to do it, like schedule an appointment. Then they have to, like, show up to the appointment and then talking, doing the intake. You know, they have, they're still checking you out. They're still wanting to make sure that you are okay with them. All and the so, while knowing that you're looking at their body because that's looking, your job. You're looking at all the rolls of fat, like, absolutely. You're looking at all the good stuff, and they're still wondering, are you going to judge me? Are you going to judge me? You know? Then afterwards, there's the, when you have to communicate about what happened during the session, they're still wondering, are you, are you still judging me? Are you going to say something stupid to fat shame me? You know, there's, there's all of this mental baggage that plus size people go through just to get a massage. Mm-hmm. And so part of part of squashing a lot of that is just putting it out uh, into uh, my, right on my website, right on Google to put it right out there so that they know right up front whether you are 150 pounds or whether you are 450 pounds. It doesn't matter. My table holds 650 you're not going anywhere. You know, I, I, I've i had a client ask me, she, I've, I've been treating this client for years. Like she's one of my favorite people in the universe. She is plus size. And multiple times, every time I've switched locations, or I have a new table. Her first question to me is, you sure I'm not going to break this? Like, I yeah. am sure you are not going to break this. But it, it's not something I think about. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not 150 pounds by any means, but I'm also not 400 pounds. And it's not something I ever think about, but it's something that she does think about. And I'm assuming she thinks about multiple times in her day, you know, when she's getting in a crowded elevator or when she's yes. walking into a crowded room, like, am I going to fit here? What are people thinking? Like, it's something that most people who are not plus size would never have to think about. Absolutely. Every time they sit down on a chair, is this chair sturdy enough? Am I going to break the chair? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Elevators. Like, you know, if, there's a, if, there's a, if it's a crowded elevator and I'm the last one getting on. Am I going to be the one to snap the cord? You know, mm-hmm. ve- vehicles, you know, um, getting into uh, like I have a rental right now in Columbus because I, you know, I'm visiting. So it's like, do I, I need to make sure I get a big enough vehicle 
so that, you know, I can fit in it, fit in it. Right. You know, you think about so many things. There's, they, it's, it's on their brain all the time. When they're walking into a Starbucks and ordering, you know, they could be ordering just a, uh, you know, a, a grande black coffee. You know, it's like, will someone shame me if I want to get, you know, like a, a venti, uh, double chocolate chip frappuccino? Yeah, man. People uh, are, people are dicks. Like, I don't yeah. think, at, I'm sorry, but people are fucking dicks. Like, let, if somebody is in a restaurant, skinny, fat, whatever, and they're ordering something, like, that should never be any of anybody's business. Like, I, I yeah, anyway, yeah. besides the point. I do have to say, though, I will admit to having said in the past that I've had difficulty working on a couple of my plus size clients more for probably the equipment that I have, like not mm -hmm. having the proper table. So I'm of a certain height. And then if my table's too high, like the per, you know, the person gets on the table and they've got their pillows and I'm like, well, fuck now I can't like yeah, do I, the appropriate movements. I find sometimes I do, like, I'm not the biggest dude in the world and I find just mechanically I feel like I can't get I can't get the proper leverage sometimes I'm heavy into mobilizing joints and stuff and if someone's a little bit larger I have difficulty doing so because I can't I can't get my yeah I can't get my hands around so yeah. like I will admit that I have yeah I've I've said that I've said those things I've had those thoughts but never in a way that like I can't figure out a way to work with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. there's no body that I'm, I can't figure out a way to work with. Do I have to sometimes improvise with certain body types? Of course, but I can figure out a way to work with you. And there is going to be a way that we can design a treatment plan. That's going to make you feel the way you want to feel. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely have changed my body mechanics and just the way that I work around the table with plus size people. I mean, one of the biggest things that I changed is that uh, now I I sit a lot. I have a lot of times when I'm working on a specific, you know, I'm working on, I don't know, an arm or something, or even like if I'm working on just uh, their feet or whatever, I'm sitting. So, and I actually, and I have two chairs. So I have a chair on each side of the table. And I also use that chair for their arms because sometimes you have plus size people that are really, they are large, so sometimes their arms can't lay to the side. You know, they dangle off because the table yeah. is not the table's not wide enough. So now I have those two chairs. They can rest their arms on the chairs, so they don't have to keep trying to lay their arm on the side of the table. That's perfect. Um, so you've figured out a way to make it optimally comfortable, no matter yes. what size your client is. Yep, absolutely. And so part of the and a little segue into the Thai massage I do. Part of the reasons, I, one of the reasons I do time massage is that I find that a lot of them really, one, um, because a majority of it is clothed. One, they don't have worry, have to worry about taking off their clothes. Mm -hmm. uh, but then also they find a lot of comfort in really the stretching component because that's something that although, um, they may have, they may enjoy the whole kind of, as Robert Gardner would call it, the, table cream glide and nudity of massage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they may enjoy those things. Um, I think, uh, and I do most of my tile on a table. I think the fact that they are clothed and there's no draping or whatever, they really, there's already freedom in that. But they find that the, the work is a little bit more effective because I am able to use my heel and other parts of my body to really dig into some areas and maybe give them more pressure that I can't do with my upper body. So 
they are finding a little bit more relief without taking off their clothes. Oh, I'm so excited. I, well, I told you off mic that I've just uh, started with Thai massage. I took a course back in, was it February or March? My months are mixed up. February or March, I took a course and I really wasn't prepared to start offering it right away because I wanted to make sure I knew what the hell I was doing. So I'm going to be uh, doing my first treatments next week. I've got a couple people booked for Thai massage and I'm really excited. Sweet. And the, the, the way that I've weaved it into my practice now is that I don't, I haven't been calling it Thai massage. I basically am beginning to coin the phrase NMMT, which is like neuromuscular mobilization therapy. And so I'm trying to find, so I tell people when they, uh, before we get on the table that um, during the massage, I'm going to be doing some mobilization exercises. And so just let me know if it feels uncomfortable or it feels okay. And we'll, we'll figure out a best way to make it happen. And then after the session's over, I'll mention to them or I'll ask them what they thought about kind of the stretching and everyone freaking loves it. And then I'll say, well, that was Thai massage. We were doing Thai massage. And so they're like, oh, that's what Thai massage is. So instead of trying to explain it uh, beforehand, I do it on the backhand and say, now you know what Thai massage is. Mm, that's very Robert Gardner. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. He's my man. Yeah. Yes. How did you get into Thai massage? So I got my first Thai massage at the spa that I used to work at in Columbus. There was one lady who was trained in Florida in Thai massage. So she did Thai massage on the floor and on the table. And so I learned a little bit about Thai massage when I was in massage school, just researching modalities. And when I had my kind of Asian bodywork section, we learned about reflexology, we learned about Thai massage. And so I thought, okay, I, that's something, I always love stretching. I'm really flexible. I love being flexible. And so uh, I want to keep that. So at the spa, a lady does this floor Thai massage thing. I said, I've never done it. I want to try it. And it freaking changed my life. And I got up off the floor and said, that's what I want to do. That's what I need. Because for me, I'm a big dude. And I was the one always complaining about these wimpy massages. And I'm like, oh, you're getting real deep with this stuff. So I was that it hooked me so that's uh that's how i got into it right on so cool man you have so many things going on like i said i just i read your quick bio and i was like oh this gotta be cool to talk to and you brought even more out on this facebook live than i expected is awesome. there anything else that you two dudes want to talk about yeah i have a question for you and it's gonna sure. sound stupid but i say the stupid shit on this podcast who tips better the straights or the gays <laughs> oh good question good question uh the gays. Yeah, I totally well, I don't know why. That. I don't even have a why. basis for saying, and that's what I would have guessed. But that's that would have been my guess. Well, and it's really only, and it's of course this is based off of my clients, you know. So maybe the gays want to tip me more because I am also gay. Mm. You know, solidarity. There's something about supporting your own community. I mean, there's people that come see me just because I'm gay and they want to give back to the gay community. Have you ever had any blowback from someone that comes in, say that they're straight, and then they're like, oh man, you're gay? I don't want to be here. Has that ever happened to you? Actually, no. They've well, never is it because said, they never, well, they've never said that to my face. Right. Or is it maybe because your 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 marketing, your advertising is just kind of very out there that everyone kind of knows, you know, knows what's, what's the story when they show up? Well, that's funny. I think that because I am so out there with the LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQI plus size body work, I think that 
the people that don't want to see me, I will never hear from. Yeah. That's true. I feel like if you, I mean, all of your social media that I have seen thus far, it is very obvious who you are and what you do. And that, you know, absolute toxic, masculine kind of douchey guy, he's never coming to yeah. you ever. Nope. Nope. I would never see that guy at all. And what's interesting is that I get a lot of closeted guys that come see me because Whoa. they want to feel comfortable with someone who is gay. You know, maybe they have, uh, for whatever reason, they don't feel like they can come out, you know, as bi or gay or whatever. But I have a mm -hmm. lot of closeted guys that really want that male touch. You know, they, they really want to, they're, they're tired of trying to play the game. You know, and has so, that uh, has that ever gotten awkward or has it all been very much that they've been appreciative of what you do? Or has it ever gotten awkward in the sense that they think like something else is going on? Like, you know, how female therapists are constantly getting hit on. Like, do you get hit on by some of these guys who think maybe you're going to do more than just treat their muscles? I get hit on all the time. I get asked for hand jobs all the time. I get guys that ask me, I mean, how big my dick is because they think like we're oh, going to have sex. I mean, yeah. So, oh yeah. Yeah. So that's a, so like you said, dudes are, dudes are gross. Yeah. You know? I feel, I feel like Absolutely. that would probably happen a ton with, mm -hmm. with you, even versus like, you know, a female massage therapist and the guy coming in wanting a happy ending. Cause like you said, dudes are dudes. Dudes are just, yeah, yeah I feel like a gay guys. dude would be much more comfortable speaking to another gay dude in such a way versus like a, a straight guy trying to say this to a woman he would have to like feel her out first and see like is she going to be responsive so you know he might start with some of the creepy flirty stuff first before just jumping right in yeah you're right so in california i found that this isn't that big of an issue i guess in ohio but in ohio the asian rub and tugs are everywhere oh we live in a neighborhood here in toronto like we're surrounded by them i can i can walk like 15 minutes north of where i am right now and there's about like seven of them per street yeah, it's, corner. It's, it's, actually, it's, it's disgusting it's, it's, it's in this big, neighborhood. It's a big business in Toronto. Yeah. 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 It's a, yeah, it's a big thing. And even the city that even, even Sacramento. And so what's interesting is that I get more questions about the hand job, happy ending thing from uh, the guys that I've met here in California than I did in Ohio. And so I don't know if that's because there are, Maybe there are more gay people that live in California in general because it is a more liberal state overall. So maybe the maybe most of the gays live in California. I don't know what the deal is, but um, I I have gotten it most. I have gotten it in both states, and it's a thing that I have learned to have a strong front, to have strong boundaries with, and mm -hmm. so the people. So I've had guys that have they haven't asked me straight up. Do you give a happy ending? They will book a massage and then, of course, during the massage, they'll do random things like try to pull off the sheet or try to grab, you know, my balls or something. And I'm like, hey, so we can stop it. The session now you pay all the money or you uh, or you can keep your hands to yourself and we finish the massage and you pay all the money. So I have to be really clear for sure. And the and those guys, um, I've never had anyone be like, Man, forget this. I'm done. And then go off the table and leave. I've never had that. I just never see them again. Those are one and done. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that's good. I, you're not my, you can go someplace else. I'm not that place. Yeah. We, uh, we had someone on recently. I'm not even sure. I don't even think this episode is out yet, but her first experience with a guy getting just like sexually aggressive 
she didn't know what to do and she didn't say anything. And I remember thinking, I can't believe you didn't do anything. But then I paused for a second. I'm like, well, you know, that has actually never happened to me. Like nothing super aggressive. I don't know what I would do. Like you said before, you being like a bigger black dude, I feel like you can just say like, no, no fucking way you stop that. I think I might be like, I I might freeze. Like I might just get scared. Like I wouldn't know what to do if some like big dude was like hitting on me in the massage room and I'm by myself. Like, I don't know. I don't know how I'd handle it. That's a good question. I I think if I were a woman in this profession, I would at least have self-defense classes like I that, to, that was her that was her yeah. solution funny enough when you hear the episode like I said I'm not sure if it's out yet but her solution was to go and get self-defense classes yeah I would be doing some kill bill stuff man I need to know I need to know you know these dudes need to know what's up you know so mm-hmm. especially if I'm a woman you know especially if I'm a young cute you know blonde haired whatever like absolutely these dudes what you got a problem with brunettes Michael fuck <laughs> <laughs> Uh, brunettes are gross. No, um, so uh, that is that is twice you've called me gross on this podcast. Oh <laughs> uh, man, it's of course clearly it's out of love. Of course, uh, but yeah, it's um, but yeah, I mean, any woman, you know, any age, whatever. I just think all women should have some sort of self defense class because massage is such a, as you know, it's just a very intimate space, no matter mm-hmm. what the. Uh, modality is whether you're working for an athletic team or whether you're doing the spa massage i mean you may be working with dudes and dudes are crazy i'm so happy to have another person on here since doing this podcast that has that has been the theme man dudes are crazy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but clearly i love them so uh um anything else anything else you got for michael no i think Anything else you want to wrap about, Michael? Anything we didn't touch on? No, I think we're good. I mean, I think that, you know, if anyone wants to follow me uh, on Instagram, it's Q's Massage Studio, QS Massage Studio. You can also find that on Facebook as well. You can also find me on Twitter, Q's Massage Studio. You can find me at uh, YouTube. So, yeah, all the things. But, yeah, this all the great. things. Yeah, it's good. Awesome. For- I love that this is, you know, Pride Month. This is when, you know, the gays claim their independence. And so I'm glad that you, um, I'm glad that you reached out to me. And this has been awesome. You two are great. Thank you so much. Oh, I wanted to talk about your video before we went. Now I forget. The video today was about, oh, confidence. confidence and you being you. I was so happy to watch that because I have just had this theme appearing in my life over the last like few months of people comparing themselves to other people, whether it's looks or weight or money or where they are in their life, social status, whatever it is. And I'm like, I'm so fucking sick of the comparisons. Like everybody just chill out, live your own life. Stop looking at social media. If that's what's fucking you up and be who you are. Like it was, I'm so happy you posted that video today. It was so good. So anybody you just heard how to follow him, follow him and watch some of these videos because I think everything you say is beyond true in your videos. I appreciate it. Yeah. And a lot of them are really just questions that clients have asked. And then just recently, they've become more of kind of body positivity based, you know, things I just want to put out there, you know, because we all struggle with, you know, how we feel about our body. And so plus size body work is just a way to 
It's just an avenue to help people feel better about themselves. Awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. And we finished in time for me to get home and watch the game. This is yeah. double win. Woo. Awesome. Raps in six, baby. All right. Go Warriors. <laughs> hey. hey. <laughs> we were friends until right now. <laughs> <laughs> ah, love it. Right on, brother. Thanks for the hang. It's been good. Sweet. You guys have been listening to two massage therapists and a microphone. Peace.